0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Health Tech Pigeon podcast bringing you the top health tech news stories and analysis every single week. I'm James and I have COVID and I've had a really horrendous week however I have still read the health tech news and with me I have Jess and Jessica from the Somex team to discuss it with me. Uh, So guys I hope you're doing better than me this week how are you?
1: Um, I'm good this week. Um, it's been an absolute whirlwind, um, but yeah, luckily I've managed to escape COVID and happy to be back for my second appearance on the podcast.
2: I have had a relatively good week. We've been on holiday, as James said, he's had COVID, so I explored Florence of my own and had a lovely time, albeit not quite as lovely had James been on his feet and raring to go to explore Renaissance art and history. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I missed Michelangelo's David. Can you believe it? Went to Florence, did not see the main attraction in Florence. <laughs> Although, yeah, ate a lot of gelato, had many pizzas uh, that Jess kindly brought me to my room uh, while I was trying to breathe, <laughs> like keep it simple. Oh, what a week. And Jess, yeah, heard your, uh, heard, because we were away, obviously, heard your appearance on last week's episode. So uh, congrats. How was uh how was your first podcast appearance?
1: Thanks. Well, I'm still like sifting through all the fan mail that's been coming to my front door. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so that's,
0: that's obviously the way. Clearly
1: it was it was a hit, yeah.
0: <laughs> Plenty more where that came from as well, so here we are. Right. Okay, let's get into it. Right, story number 1 this week. Bumble for Surrogacy secures 4.7 million Dollars. Bumble for surrogacy. That's 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 an interesting turn of phrase. Uh, Jessica, tell us about what's happening here.
2: Yeah, this is such an interesting story where essentially a company called Nodal, which is, as the title leads to, a platform for matching surrogates with parents or prospective parents, has just raised $4.7 million. Now, I think it sounds... A lot weirder than it actually is and I think it's actually an incredibly good idea because what it ultimately does is as well as obviously matching potential parents and surrogates it provides a a vetting process so there are background checks there are interviews and it's based in the US so obviously the rules around surrogacy are slightly different there than over in the UK so for example in the US you can be paid for surrogacy whereas in the UK you can only be paid for your expenses um, so it's a very different setup but I think from my point of view you know there are there's there's a lot to talk about in terms of like parenthood and planning for children all that kind of thing and I think this presents an interesting opportunity and I had a conversation the other day where maybe it's, I've read an article, but ultimately more and more women are looking to, to surrogacy as a potential solution for having children. Because I think they're as we've talked about previously, there's a lot of pressure on women in society, in particular in the way, you know, when you have a career and all of that sort of stuff. And you often find that you're stuck between having to choose between your career and then choose or choose between being a parent. And it doesn't Often feel like you can have both. But actually, surrogacy is increasingly being seen as an opportunity for women to become parents without having to go through the physical experience of obviously being pregnant and giving birth and having to recover from birth. And, you know, let's not forget that is a very intense time in a person's life uh requires a lot of recovery there's a lot to adjust to and so i think i can understand why it is becoming a more attractive option for people and i think previously my understanding is having not been through this process before and and looked into it a great deal is that actually it's a bit of a wild west and i'm sure that there are you know maybe surrogacy surrogacy agencies and that kind of thing perhaps in the u.s but actually often there is no vetting and it's a bit of a you know Facebook marketplace type experience where you're trying to find the right person and it's kind of reliant on you as the prospective parent or the person enlisting a surrogate to find out whether or not they might be the right person to carry your child. So the fact that there is a company kind of, I guess, leveling the playing field to safe and secure for want of a better word, surrogacy and and parenthood, I think is really exciting and really progressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering whether Nodal are thinking about working with employers to become something which is offered in an employee benefit package, because I know that a lot of employers, well, increasingly employers, are offering things like egg freezing um, as a benefit to their employees. And it, what you were saying, more women are look, turning to surrogate, surrogacy um, so that they can focus on careers and not have to take so much time out. Maybe mm. like maybe this is a cynical approach, but employers would be wanting to offer it to the women working with them so that then they can keep working and not take the time out. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but mm. if I was working with Nodal, it's something that I would want, be wanting to explore.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. And also, I guess... The other pressure that is on women from a societal perspective is aging and particularly aging out of being able to have a family. And so it kind of takes that pressure off the table, which I think is interesting again. But as a, as a benefit, I think that's quite a compelling idea, speaking as an employer, but also, you know, potentially an employee and not from the, in my view, not from the angle of, you know, keep people in the workplace for longer but actually giving people access to becoming parents where maybe they wouldn't have necessarily thought that that was an option for them before
0: there's an interesting philosophical bit though isn't there There around you you, i mean you you said it right jess about aligning incentives it's like there's obviously an incentive for an employer to to offer that but that does open the door for and you know again cynical like pressure or Philosophically, as a society, is this a concept that we do want to encourage? As you say, Jessica, talking about women getting older and unable to have children, or finding it more difficult to have children the older that they get, they get, and then this allowing a system whereby they can still parent and not have that anxiety and have that mental burden of getting older and all different things. It, it, it's interesting to me. There's, there's clearly this type of thing will spark debate uh around questions like what do we want as a society what behaviors is this likely to encourage and are those behaviors that we actually want to actually want to support or not it's uh yeah for my for my brain on covid at the moment there's quite a lot to handle there (laughs)
1: No, to an extent, I think those those discussions are already happening because egg freezing is like a commonly offered benefit now, and that's companies saying, "Don't stop working and have kids now. Like, don't worry, you can have them later. Just keep working for us now." But they kind of cover up the fact that egg freezing is not like a fail safe solution to having kids in later life. Um, There's still a lot of risks associated with it, and it doesn't always work.
2: Hmm. I think coming at this from a maybe it's naive, I don't know, but I think in my view this is something to be celebrated because anything that gives women choice and autonomy over their own bodies and the choices for their lives I think should be encouraged and yes there you you can you can counter argue anything with like nefarious motives and you know moral issues but ultimately especially at a time where we're you know questioning whether or not women have autonomy over their own bodies and you know whether a 12-year-old should give birth to a rapist baby. I think solutions like this should be encouraged personally. And I think the upside is way more encouraging than the downside for me. And I do think there's potential for it to be taken advantage of by corporates, by employers. However, choice for women, I think, is fantastic and exciting
1: yeah i mean yeah i think as a woman there's nothing more infuriating to me than people telling me i have to adjust my life plans to factor in like time to get pregnant and have a baby yeah. and people telling me that i better not leave it too late and i better make sure that i do it all before i'm 35 like that kind of when people say that to me it makes my blood absolutely boil and i'm mm-hmm. sure it does for a lot of other women as well
0: yeah and empowerment is something that's mentioned in uh, the ceo's comment here in this new story brian levine Our goal is to make surrogacy an attainable option for more intended parents and to give surrogates an exceptional experience with education, support and empowerment. He's obviously talking about the surrogates there, but you guys talk about it more broadly as well. And I think you're right. I think as a progressive society, giving women more choice is absolutely something that I don't think many people would want to argue against, although clearly actually they're passing legislation in the US (laughs) to argue against that. So that comment's not particularly (laughs) right, is it? uh sensible people no shouldn't get political i don't know it's it's uh, a bit of a minefield that i've dug myself into there but mixing <laughs> metaphors but um
1: uh, should we uh, move on to the next story now let's, then? Let's,
0: <laughs> let's, let's. right on to story number two health systems are unfit to cope with another pandemic research has shown Jess, tell us about this one.
1: So yeah, this story is probably not a big surprise to anybody. I don't think anybody thought that our health systems were prepared for another pandemic. Most of them are still trying to recover from the last pandemic. But yeah, this story is tied to a survey which has been carried out, an international survey, in which everyone's pretty unanimously agrees that they are not ready for another pandemic or whatever big health emergency comes around the corner next. So financial support has been cited as something which is a big barrier to preparedness and workforce shortages as well. And there's a quote, which I quite like here, which says, there is a need to take stock of the challenges and for enablers to respond at a national level, as well as create opportunities for accelerating the sharing of strategies internationally. So I think, yeah, what what this um, survey kind of highlights is the fact that Yes, during the pandemic, there was a lot of incredible innovation and lots of startups and organizations working collaboratively to deliver incredible solutions. But we need to keep this momentum going. We need to harness that energy. um, And we need to focus on building systems and ways of working and ways of working cooperatively and ways of funding that, um, that will have the global health system ready for whatever chaos is thrown at
0: it next. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me. I wonder, you know, is this an area that, tech companies can sort of emerge into, you know, like pandemic tech or similar? Or is it more a case of building... I mean, we're in healthcare, right? So obviously pandemics affect lots of different sectors and things, but clearly health being a majority one. Is it more that health tech should evolve and 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 health systems and organizations should become better at dealing with surge capacity more generally or is this a place where entrepreneurs and and people that are passionate about this with expertise could be thinking of ideas of specifically what technology could be built or what companies could be built or what startups could be built or whatever it is to deal with the next one it's funny because clearly in this one as, as you said before, Jess, money just got thrown everywhere at, at just, oh, we need to build this and deal with this problem and putting fires out left, right and centre. Now is perhaps the time where things are still fresh that we should be considering. How do we actually put the infrastructure in place for the next pandemic? And are there technology entrepreneurs out there that could think about that and build us some solutions? And, and a good example actually would be, I spoke to the lead of Oxford one of the hospitals in Oxford's uh, ICU, I think it was the clinical lead. And he was saying that, that that they've actively thought about this and they are, they have or they are, I think they have now built a new hospital or new unit that does really basic things that just prepares them for the next one. And, you know, we talk about health tech here in Pidgin and SOMAX and the health tech pocket. like we talk about health tech, but... Ultimately, the technology that helps them is just being able to, I think it's reverse engineer oxygen or water, or they've piped water in so that they can essentially just get oxygen when it runs out, and they can get it from water that they've piped in. And so just a really simple, cheap thing to do, which is just piping something in to allow them more oxygen, means that they're not going to run out of oxygen anymore, which was a huge problem during the pandemic. And so it's it's a mindset that I think... what is a mindset it's something that i think is worth raising awareness for now and i think it's worth us talking about now of whilst we are still fresh with our thinking and with all the problems that the pandemic caused we shouldn't just now exhale and rest on our laurels we should really be thinking about the next one because there will be a next one it's not like this pandemic was just a point in time that won't happen again in our lifetimes everybody is saying it will happen again during our lifetimes and so i'm not quite sure how long they are on record but in terms of how far they are apart but quite likely in our lifetimes right
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt, yeah, the approach, I had a bit of an insider approach to the um, insider perspective on the reaction to the first wave of the pandemic, which was a very um, reactive kind of scrambling around, everyone trying to do what they could to solve the problems that suddenly appeared out of nowhere. And my dad was actually part of the Oxvent team, so shout out to them, who um, built a ventilator for COVID patients. But that was just a group of, um, yeah, a team from Oxford who just got together and kind of very, very quickly and rapidly built a mechanical ventilator. Um, but they were just, yeah, always they were on calls with Matt Hancock, Department of Health people, just like no one really knowing what was going on. But these some people had ideas and solutions and they just gave the money to try and build it. And there were hundreds of other companies doing the same thing. Hmm. Um, but again, that was very, it was a very reactive approach. And, but like, incredible talent incredible dedication from the people who are involved and if there was some way of getting to those people earlier and telling them you have time you have resources um we're gonna we're gonna fund you to come up with these fantastic ideas like over years rather than weeks then i think that's just be such a good thing and like the innovation that could come out of that would be incredible
0: so in good news then what this article actually points to is this thing they're calling the wish summit wish being a global platform which gathers healthcare experts policymakers innovators to build a healthier world but that what they're looking to do is basically showcase all this research and discuss how practically to build in policy and Stuff like that to build solutions, basically. So there's this summit happening in October 4th to the 6th in Doha, Qatar, where it sounds like they're going to be discussing some of this stuff. The thing is, we can talk about it, but it needs action, right? And I think that is never easy to do because there are so many people that need to be involved in <laughs> like actually turning this stuff into businesses. and Not that it always needs to be businesses, but certainly solutions. Jess, obviously your dad was majorly involved in the first one, by the sounds of things. So I can remember that ventilator and that team and seeing all that news and stuff does your dad talk about the next pandemic is, is he concerned in any way is he talk, is that a thing like is he is, talking about that
1: well he's still got a research lab um, running and they're constantly working on building better ventilators and better ways of ventilating patients um, so I think all of the work which they're doing will then be useful if we were to have another COVID wave or COVID pandemic
0: right story number three this week um company called limbo has raised six million dollars for uh what forbes is calling or forbes contributor is calling its digital weight loss tools now this is a really interesting one uh just some epic names in this article shaquille o'neal uh hoxton ventures irish rugby players uh and then obviously health tech stuff glucose sensors smart bands software platform pre-diabetes it's interesting this jessica tell us what's going on here
2: so yes it is interesting i think what's most interesting is use of the word weight loss um i think in principle you know what what they're doing makes a lot of sense so they're essentially using an app and some hardware to help tackle obesity for people who um are experiencing obesity and perhaps for medical reasons need to lose weight to improve their health. Um, So for example, someone who might be pre-diabetic and wants to make sure that they don't get or reduce the likelihood of getting type 2 diabetes, um, which we know there are lots of lifestyle factors associated with that and weight is one of them. I think what's most interesting about this is that in healthcare at the moment, there is a big conversation about weight and the value that we place on weight. Um, and there's obviously the, the health at any size discussion that's going on. And there's also equally big debates about the impact of obesity on health as well. And I think that often the two uh clash. Um, and very often, or not very often, do we see both kind of singing from the same song and um, being aligned in in what they kind of are trying to achieve. Um, and I think also the, the challenge with weight loss is, or use of terminology such as weight loss, is that in my mind, and we chatted about this before before we hit record, was that when you talk about a weight loss solution, it sounds like your Weight Watchers, your My Fitness Pal, your, I can't think of any others, but there are lots of them. There are so many of these kind of weight loss solutions that are targeted at kind of anyone and everyone who maybe has a few pounds that they feel they might want to lose to feel better in their body and all of that good stuff. Whereas I think what would be more helpful with this is if they were more clear that actually it is like a almost like a medically targeted weight loss solution, because what they're actually doing, as I say, makes a huge amount of sense. So yeah, they're, they're using like really high-tech hardware, glucose sensors, scales, a smart band, a software platform, Uh, it sounds like there's coaching and also when you look into it a little bit more they're working across the UK and the US they've got a hub in Ireland and New York Um, but right now it is a paid for solution coming in at 1500 pounds for a three-month package and for me there's a bit of a challenge here in that we know that obesity type 2 diabetes those kinds of conditions disproportionately affect lower income groups now for a solution to impact the people that it really needs to it needs to also be accessible so for me there's a, maybe a slight disconnect between the kinds of people experiencing these issues and the the way that the solutions targeted but equally it's also interesting to see that you know there's amongst the investors there are There's UK, uh UK venture capital group, um, Hoxton Ventures, but there's also several international athletes, which I think, you know, is exciting bringing into play perhaps science technology that, you know, professional athletes will have access to that most people wouldn't to benefit m- a much larger group of people. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's also lots of other solutions out there like Holly Health you are approaching this in a very different way looking at the psychological impact of these kinds of transformations, lifestyle changes and looking at behaviour change for example as the biggest lever whereas it seems like this one is more on the kind of tech and platform side rather than perhaps some of the like habit
1: change. Jess you work with Holly Health a lot um, and what do, what do you think? Well my take on this is that it's good to see that this is a um, well, they call themselves the yeah, weight loss technology that's not just telling you to eat salads and go for runs. They're mm-hmm. actually trying to get some real science behind it and they're trying to understand the individuality of everyone's body um, and the fact that diff- like certain weight loss programs don't work for every person and that you have to be like tracking data and iterating your approach. Um, so it does seem like they've really put a lot of thought and effort into making this effective, making this work. Um, And for a lot of people who've been really struggling with their weight, then I imagine that this solution is um, working well for them and like, yeah, possibly changing their lives. But on the flip side to that, I think it's dangerous to be equating weight loss with health um, and by telling and telling people that all you have to do is lose weight and you'll be healthier. Um, because that's that's not how it works and yeah you can you can be healthy and be above what your body mass index said you should be and you can be a perfect BMI and still be unhealthy so I think there needs to be some careful thinking about the language they're using and the way they're positioning themselves in the market
0: yeah I guess the only thing to add from me would be that it's just quite cool that Shaq's involved Um, (laughs) like as you say other international athletes As well as Hoxton Ventures and looking at who they've backed previously, Deliveroo, Babylon, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, But also your point about the price point as well. I think it's one of those that where they are using lots of technology. They've had to raise big for hardware and for software and all those different things. And as Jess you said, they're they're trying to apply hard science to it and all those all those different things, you need to get a user base in order to get evidence. That evidence can then be translated to more health systems style approaches and things like that. So like with anything, until the price point comes down, the price point is often quite high. And so, yes, it it is a high price point to your point just about accessibility for those groups that might need it. Yeah, it'll definitely price people out that would feel benefit from it. If, however, they can demonstrate that this works, perhaps then they go at more system level. If they are providing ROI at a system level, it can be considered for things like NHS and other business models, but probably a fair way off, Um, fair to say.
1: I say, I want to know what else Shaquille O'Neal's invested in, like what other startups are in his portfolio. (laughs) It's
0: a good point, actually. I I wonder wonder how he spreads his bets. I I saw it... uh, various bits and bobs you know you scroll on like Instagram reels and stuff I saw one I think it was from him before I misquote him Um, if I'm misquoting you Shaq I'm sure you're listening uh, so do get in touch but uh, he did say that he started off when he was investing Uh, he started off investing in what made him money Um, but he said it all changed when and I'm paraphrasing, but when he started investing things that would make the world a better place and that he actually cared about. And I think uh, just an interesting point to your, to your question um, that I do have some information on Shaq's investment thesis and I think it's things that he cares about <laughs> and that would uh, make the world a better place. <laughs>
1: yeah, so he thinks it's going to make the world a better place. Maybe it is. Well, we exactly. We should have faith in him.
0: I. <sighs> Put your faith if your wants to Kilo come on the Neil.
1: podcast, talk to us about his portfolio.
2: You know, talk about you know the good that he's doing in the world. Always open. You know how to find a shack.
0: Ah, oh, funny and a good way to a good way to end this week. I think a weird week. My brain's a bit slow because of uh, the old COVID. Um, but other things you can read in Health Tech Pigeon this week: uh, AI is going to eliminate humanity. Shame me I'm not time to talk about that. Uh, prosthetics are getting smarter. Uh, another Jessica Smith, the Paralympian with a left-hand prosthesis uh, and an app and all sorts of interesting stuff with that and what other stuff is in there how to humanize the digital experience in healthcare big tech are doing other stuff so lots of cool stuff to read in health tech pigeon you can grab that if you go to www.healthtechpigeon.com if you want to get in touch with us if you want to come on this podcast if you want to spam us with linkedin messages or find out more about what we do with Somex. you can head to the description of this episode uh find all those links oh i'm going for a lie down thanks for listening everybody